0: Fine.
1: What standing in for John Stadmiller, day of January 28th of May. I'm generally on cutting through the matrix. We'll do a little tricks cutting in this particular talk. We're led to believe that things just happen, suddenly revol- evolve spontaneously, and politicians and big shadowy Parts of the government, the, the MI6, the CIA characters, are just going to go into action to try and resolve some problems never saw coming. And that's the trick that's been played upon the public for an awful, awful long time. I have no doubt whatsoever that even before World War II, every country that's been invaded by the West, since then, it's been, was and back then. I even have books from the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, same body, actually, from the global meetings back in the 1930s talking about targets down the road after World War II, and this is written before World War II had even started. They even knew who they were going to go to war with, including Japan. They knew Japan would come in in it, too. They must... Defend the Soviet system, they said, at this big international meeting held in Australia. And they, they said at all costs must be saved. Why? We know now why, because the Soviet system was simply the dialectical game that they played between capitalism and communism. The two isms came together to create the third way, or the third wave. Plato called it the third way. And Toffer called it the third wave. Same thing, amalgamation of two systems. Where a fascist elite with an happiness really getting a utopia, a managed utopia, over a public that eventually will be literally I mean literally unconscious. Because they had total faith in science that through scientific technique, as they call it, could manage the mind of billions of people across the planet. But on the way, they had to completely alter culture in such a way that generations would be born, live, and die, and adapt our culture that they were upgrading without even realizing that someone was giving it to them. The adopt culture, as Plato said, they'll do adopt culture. They think that everything that appears on the shelves and new toys and so on for their enjoyment like children and that was the intent of it to raise up generations who like children who never ask or wonder or stand back and look where's all of this leading to that's the last thing they want people should go in to the writings of the ancient Greek philosophers especially who wrote about the of creating cultures and managing cultures for peoples, and Beethoven himself, who was one of the champions in culture creation. Get ready for Real Talk Radio. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, filling in for John Stadmiller, who's down with the flu. And we're cutting through some matrix here because I'm trying to build up a little picture which shatters the illusions of the indoctrinations we've had, and we have had scientifically endorsed and funded indoctrinations for generations. Our parents did, so did our grandparents, and this is well understood and written about at the time by those in the know. they wrote books about it which each other read. Average Joe was too busy uh, reading other things and penny novels and, and that kind of thing to even take interest in them. But the big banking boys, for instance, if you ever get to see libraries getting dumped from banks, and I have quite a lot of books dumped from banks, it's astounding the kind of information that they were writing out and publishing and how the big boys who are managing the system were were learning from these books, the big banking boys and establishments. Nothing happens by chance. And if you go into the warfare departments of countries like Britain especially, and now the United States, they plan the centuries. They plan the wars because they have a big chessboard and they want to take over country after country. And they will often give you a breathing space between it, sometimes not that go right into the next country that they want to take over and uh, we the public are fixed generally on where they are now or where they're going into now and that's how far we see the job of the media is to keep us in this realm of things just evolving day by day that's the trick of the media and also keep us distracted and it also is meant to stop us thinking any further for ourselves And that's been very successful. Most people cannot think for themselves. Zygmunt Brzezinski was quite correct when he said the vast majority of the public will shortly be unable to think for themselves, and they'll even expect the media to do their reasoning for them, to do all the thinking for them. That will become their topics uh, the next day after listening to the news. That's the topics they'll, they'll talk about. They'll repeat their downloads. This is a war on the entire world. The war it's on now. It's a war of terror to scare everybody on the planet into complying into their brave new world scenario. It's not just aimed at adults. It's on every segment of the age groups. It's on the children too. The children are getting attacked mightily in such a way they enjoy it. It's much better to get people hooked on an agenda when they enjoy their part in the agenda and their agenda is to grab all the electronic toys the games that they're given and look forward to the day where they can be interfaced with a computer that's what all the hype is about today and all the big magazines and shows on television interfacing into a virtual reality where eventually the elite hope that generation will grow up in a virtual reality just like the movie called the matrix. This is to be worldwide. The main terror that's being shown about compliance is aimed at the adult population to keep them afraid and to allow all of this to go through without any hindrance. So the adults are terrified about a falling economy, which is just a juggling act anyway, it always was. And the adults are worried about not being stared at by the authorities. They want to get through their life. Hopefully they can retire, uh, spend their money, and then croak in their sleep nice and happily and quietly. That's what the average Joe wants. And so they don't really want to know the big picture. They just don't want to be stared at. They don't want to come under the microscope. So they comply with every order that the Fuhrer gives out to them. It's worldwide. That took many, many years... Many years of negotiations, setting up societies, bureaucratic organizations that were interlinked across the world to bring all of this into being. Those agencies were set up before World War II. And right after 9-11, there was a big rallying call. That was the big signal that it all goes into action now because it was the action for a new American century to kick off the new global empire with the US primarily funding it, supplying the manpower for it, and forcing it on the rest of the world. And it shows you too, when you saw all the other countries fall into line passing the same laws at the same time, regardless of their situation, regardless of if they had even no Muslims living in the country or whatever, made no difference, they're all going through the exact same agenda with ID cards, hyper security, cameras everywhere, and so on and so on. This took a lot of planning, a lot of payoffs, because everything at the top happens with payoffs. That's no great secret. And it shows you there is a society that transcends all elected governments. This was attested to by Margaret Thatcher um, and others who gave a speech, gave a series of speeches across the world called The New World Order, back in the early 90s. At Massey Hall in Toronto, she gave one. And that's where she unfurled the plan, which she was well in on. And she said that religious fundamentalism will be the next major threat to the entire planet, she said. Now, most folk at the time thought she she was just meaning the Middle East. But no, if you look at the history of these particular groups around the world, they talked from the 1800s onwards, the religion, and silly superstition would have to be outlawed because it was outdated, had served its purpose. The new belief would be under the authority of the authority. That would be the new priesthood. And science would be elevated to fill the gaps of the old black priesthoods with the new white-coated ones. That was the agenda. And she said there's been a parallel government in existence for some time. She called it the parallel government, made up of high-level bureaucrats who were semi-retired or ever-retired from their positions, high-level politicians, prime ministers, presidents, and so on, that all knew each other because they'd worked together over the years while they were in power. And now that they're out of the, the eye of the public, they're given more power. They're called technocrats now a technocrat is not elected by the people but they're given real authority they don't have to be pleasing the public they don't answer to the public and she said this was the only way to get things done democracy was too slow too many arguments going on and if you look into the council of foreign relations and their mandates they say the same thing that's why they were set up They realized that democracy would have too much infighting as all the lower politicians played their ego games trying to get brownie points and they couldn't get their big agendas through. It would take too long as they bickered. Professor Carl Quigley, also in his book Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American establishment too must-get books, fills in all the blank spots in history, tells you about this agenda that's been going on for centuries and those behind it that are still in existence today, those organizations. And he said, it's much better to be a technocrat because you live with the knowledge, you have the real power. You're not so much in the public limelight. You don't come under scrutiny. And he said, there are too many irreconcilable factions within society to get anything done, and that's why they were set up. It does exist. These big boys that belong to it have written about it, they've given speeches about it in public... And Joe Public still thinks you just vote someone in, a lone gunman, and lo and behold, he cleans up the town for you while you sit back, watch television, and eat your chips. That's the con game that's played. The only way this agenda could possibly be thwarted is for people to realize what we're going to lose in the process if we don't stand up. And that's everything to do with being human. Being human, the other part of humanity, emotion, is a big problem to the elites. And yet a complete human being down through the ages is a sentient being, rational hopefully, but you've also got an emotional side with you that allows you to appreciate people and nature and all those things around you, or even a nice day. But that the emotional side also becomes a problem. The elite call it the irrational side. They want that destroyed. It's too inefficient. Emotion gets in the way of logic. And this plan of theirs at the top is to be a super plan where we'll be turned into happy little Borgs. Happy because we won't know what unhappiness is. We won't even know we are a Borg. We'll just be assigned tasks and will be programmed to do it. But it must be sold to the public as though you'll retain your individuality, even though the big world meetings at Loyola University in Louisiana, hosted by Newt Gingrich, he he, he kicks them off because they always find jobs for the boys. They never retire. And uh, it was funded by the U.S. Department of Commerce, by the way. That's your tax money funding your annihilation of your conscious mind. They said that the chip is ready to go. It will be inserted in the back of the head. And all they have to do now is convince the public to accept it. They said this will be promoted through all media, through cartoons for children, because they're the main target. They're the ones who are going to grow up and actually want it. And sure enough, uh, it's now in cartoons and the superheroes have them with all these superpowers. And it'll be promoted through movies and so on. We saw the Cutter in different movies appear very quickly after that first meeting to get us used to the idea that's called predictive programming. And it's steam rolling ahead. It's all set to go. But it certainly won't have the outcome that they give you in the fictional world. You will end up being the Borg get back with more after the following messages
0: wasn't that the idea
1: I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Stadmiller. I'll be on Cutting Through the Matrix an hour after I get off of the show, so you can tune in there again. And at the moment I'm talking about this super parallel government that's been in existence before I was born, and is much bigger even today, with its own departments of security and and their own parallel organizations of CIA and MI6 and all the rest of it interwoven with massive think tanks which have incredible funding funded mainly through uh, black budgets from governments through through different government operations and also they get part of their government or uh, their funding from the big foundations because the big foundations are front organizations for the global elite. You're meant to think that it's there for charity and they just want to do good deeds for for the public. That's why they were set up under a cloak of charity. Charity has been used by brotherhoods for hundreds and hundreds of years. You can look into the Hashashin, who were one of the the brotherhood Illumined tribes up in Afghanistan uh, quite a few hundred years ago, and see how they operated. And they operated under a cloak of charity. They even brought orphans and. Who they trained to be assassins. They brought them up in a mountain retreat, gave them everything that they wanted beautiful food, great scenery, wonderful life, and they taught them this was heaven. And if they went and fought for their master and obeyed any command given, then they would go immediately to a place just like that. That would be heaven. And these assassins had the, the, the ancient world terrified because they were well educated, put into great positions of advisory capacity. Maybe years later, they'd be told to assassinate their boss, which they did without without hesitation. So nothing has changed. These techniques are very, very old, and we have them today. That's where you get all these strange shootings that suddenly happen, always at the right time when they have a particular bill on the table to ban something or other from the public. They just happen to appear. And there's always too many questions about the particular individual involved, Uh, not only the fact uh, that that they were always known to the police and and, uh, well-known to psychiatrists who were treating them, but it's always been a big big, big mystery as how they managed to even get the firearms in the first place, especially the ones in Britain, where you had to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop and do psychological evaluations. And yet they even had one in Britain, Mr. Hamilton, who managed to get through only... Only and approved to have a firearm. The only because a lord, a British lord, intervened and uh, told them to pass him through. It's always the same story. So they have these mind control assassin types out there, just waiting for the command, and they always go through in a fugue type state, they commit their deed, and don't remember much about it afterwards if they live at all. So these guys at the top will always make the conditions occur. Necessary to implement their seemingly plausible plans or reactions to them. That. That's how the real world works. And the wars that happen too in this real world are planned, as I say, years, years and years before the public get a whiff of anything being up. You cannot pull off anything today in this world, anything on any level at all without the CIA or MI6 knowing about it, because they employ thousands and thousands and thousands of people on salaries from all different nations and races, and they've infiltrated everything in every country, and they have for a long, long time, many, many years. You can't do anything without them knowing about it, never mind blow up towers in New York. It's impossible. Not only impossible, but we know, for instance, that even in the BBC, on the day that it happened, or the day after it happened, a spokesman from MI6 said they could understand why the U.S. kept ignoring all their warnings of what was going to happen on that particular day. They ignored it because it was something that was meant to happen. It was meant to happen. That was the the big thing, the shot that around the world in other words a new shot that went around the world a big signal for the new agenda to kick in and roll ahead and has it ever everyone now must bend down and roll over going through checkpoints it's security border crossings and airports and all this kind of stuff that never happened before never even happened during the whole Cold War and it's not because they're looking for uh, hidden Terrorists, nothing to do with that whatsoever. It's to train the public to go in to a totalitarian system. That's what it's all about. You're being dehumanized when you submit to it and ordered around by these Star Wars goons that you see there, these menacing-type goons, uh, where there's no comeback. They don't have to answer any question. Even when, you're, when they hold you, they don't have to even tell you why they're holding you or even why they're questioning you along a certain avenue, you're supposed to answer like a good little scared citizen. That's to train you because the Department of Defence in Britain, but it also as the head of the NATO, basically, the top think tank for them, came out with its mandate for the next 30 years. The projection of what they see coming. What they see coming as a horror show and they know it because they're going to create the horror the fact that more of this after the following messages you're listening to the republic broadcasting network
0: because you can handle the truth
1: to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. Hey, folks. I'm Alan Watts, standing in for John Stadmiller. And uh, listeners should look into cutting through the matrix uh, an hour after I finish this particular show. where I'll continue with lots more information. But at the present, I'm going through and trying to get the point through that nothing simply happens on a huge scale in the world without it being known about, which generally means it's also planned that way. And the objective is always to change society, change society. The great work is to completely change society, step by step, into a perfection, a perfect society. The symbol always being the beehive from ancient times and in a beehive every order of bees has its place there's no arguments about it in fact they're genetically altered to have their particular place in the beehive and lo and behold so will we they want a more perfected slave a slave that they don't have to keep distracted with lots of information lots of lots of um Uh, entertainment we are gluttons for entertainment we live half our lives to to be entertained and I often wondered even when I was growing up how many hours a person would spend in their whole life just watching television or reading novels or playing games even like like, uh, card games because all these things are really is passing time and when I was very young I realised I thought, you know, every every minute you're alive is very important. Every thought that you can think is incredibly important if you're thinking along lines of understanding, because you've only got this one life to live, regardless of all the other religions there that, that say, know there's other lives too. The reincarnationists keep saying you get born again and again and again and again and again. And again. And you pay off your bad karma, like a credit card. You just accumulate it and pay off in a nice life. That's how they they sort of do it. But in reality, I knew you have one life to live, and what you do and think, and what you do about what you think is very, very important because, because you can make changes. You make amazing changes, even by informing others of what really is happening while they're all being entertained and when they're passing the time. We have a a finite number of years, at least at the bottom level. At the top, they can extend it quite a ways, but it's not for the commoners. And so what you do with your life is tremendously important. And most people, again, have been stuck into dead-end jobs where they get so depressed and they watch the clock and they get home and they just want to zonk out in front of that TV set and they think they're just switching off, but they're not really... Because everything on television is meant to degrade you further. That's how computer is, you upgrade your programs. you're being upgraded while you watch television as they, they bring on more and more awful stuff and literally degrade humanity. They're making a mockery of humanity itself under the guise of entertainment. You know, there was an art show that traveled across the US and across the world, I guess they called it art. And it was put on by a German fellow where they had corpses on display with uh, injected plastic in some parts and so on. You could see the tendons and sinews and they had one of them hanging up uh, in strange positions with wires and they called it uh, the ballet of the corpse. And this was put on as art. You, you see they never had this kind of stuff going on in ancient Rome when they had the gladiators the Romans for all their degradation and perversion that broke out towards their end never went as they didn't have fetuses and jars of urine and calling it art there'd been like an incredible outcry you see about it e- even though they were having blood sports in the arena We have been so jaded and dehumanized, which is the whole point of it, because when you come to the conclusion that life is just, that humans are just another biological mistake, uh, just a little anomaly on this planet, we're nothing special whatsoever, and the big boys can go ahead with the next step and the next step and the next step until you allow it to happen, because after all, what are you? you're nothing much, nothing special at all. That's the intent behind it. And it's working pretty well because these kind of so-called art exhibitions that roam around have a purpose to degrade you further. That's his purpose. Not so long ago, declassified information from MI6 and the CIA admitted that they have run the culture industry since the 1950s. That included music, it it, it included the painting arts, the nihilistic paintings, the Picasso types, uh, the stuff that would make you all blah after you looked at it. But they also put on the degrading stuff for us to lap up and become dehumanized in the process. And you thought that the left wing was doing all that. Well, the CIA ran the most radical left-wing movements in the United States. The idea being that if you want to fight a supposed enemy, which wasn't really the the point at all, then you set up the most radical speakers who, the people follow the leaders that they give you, and, and then you basically are controlling the direction they go in. That was the intent of the intelligence agencies. But they ran the culture industry in all countries, including France. The French won't like that. We don't like that kind of interference and tampering, but that's how it was. I had an office in London, England too, uh, shared by MI6 and all the top writers of novels and books, and even poets, because they were going to make sure that all our thoughts and discussions and even our fantasies uh, came from them, because all of that was predictive programming, along a path which they were going to introduce for real in the future, and because it made you familiar with it in a fictional form, then you'd allow it to happen without question. That's how simple it works, simply it works. And that is predictive programming. They also adopted ways of dumbing us down. They had huge meetings about this, and the Western alliances. Even before World War II, on the use of drugs, don't forget that Brave New World was written in the 1930s. And it wasn't out of the imagination of one man that that scenario came. This one man was simply one cog in a massive wheel of writers who were from aristocratic lineages, went to the best schools, belonged to Tavistock and other institutions, and they were writing stories again predictive programming along particular scientific agendas that they would eventually implement it's all being implemented now brave new world is actually here so they knew how they had to tamper with their minds in such a way as to get us to accept every step that they wanted us to accept accept They couldn't come out with non-fiction, they had to primarily dress it up in fiction, but with lots of real data incorporated. And they had a tremendous faith in the use of drugs. They talked about drugging the entire population of the Western world to manage the people more efficiently. Not to help you in any way, but to manage you more efficiently. They even thought at one time that they could take small doses of LSD and introduce it into the water or spray it from the air or do other means. Uh, They could literally, radically, quickly alter society, whether in this disjointed, disassociative phase that they would be in. But they found it was just too unpredictable. Uh, They couldn't control it so well, and so they thought about valiums, etc. Therefore, they stepped up the whole pace of life in countries like Britain and Europe and in America and suddenly all the magazines the big magazines again which again were generally funded by the CIA at promoting ways to get rid of stress and how stressful life was mind you the same magazines made sure that male and female if they read them would become completely dissatisfied with life they were living in the first place that's how it was done but then they always gave you ways out of it through drugs the new sciences that would help you and at one point, they even said uh, that over, I think it was 45% of all British women. This is in the 90, early 1970s, the beginning of the 70s. They were on a form of valium or librium. Daily is a matter, of course. So all you do is increase the stress factor. You create nihilism in a sense, unhappiness. There's no point to anything. They go and see the doctor. The doctor prescribes them the pills and suddenly they're, they're back to being the Stepford wives. Nothing really bothers them too much. Mind you, they don't get much done either because they put everything off, nothing matters, but they're not so unhappy. And they had meetings about this, and uh, world meetings, if they could make the public happy. See, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, necessary to fix the things that were wrong in life. It, the whole point was to simply make them happy through drugs. That was the point not to fix anything. Because under the new psychiatric definitions, being normal was simply to be happy. Being normal was to be happy, even though it's a completely new definition. Being a human being has its ups and its downs, it has tragedies, as well as its successes. To be up all the time, they used to call being manic. Now suddenly, you have to be up all the time, be happy. And if you went to see a psychiatrist, it's still the same today because they they base it all on Freud. Um, And you fall out of the workplace and you can't do anything. You're depressed, you're lethargic and so on. They'll get you on some kind of medication. He'll ask you every time you go in, um, what are you doing with your life? And when you tell him that you're back into the workforce, the very place that broke you in the first place, the workforce, uh, you're buying uh, stuff, you're, you're paying taxes, and you're 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 going around you're going around having lots of sex like rabbits. Then you're classified as being healthy again, and that's the new normal that did not exist before. Being a true adult entails having all of the emotions, being able to deal with the ups, the downs, the sadnesses, and that's where you learn things is through tragedy. Tragedy in a personal way or tragedy to do with other people. Your emotions make you grow. They are trying to eliminate emotions, so we are perpetual children. Now I've got Richard from Alabama on the line. Are you there, Richard? Hello, Richard. Uh, Am
0: I on? Yes. I want to talk about... uh... What appears to be a little bit of the New World Order agenda creeping into RBN.
1: Uh huh. Go ahead.
0: Uh, uh,
1: there's
0: a guy uh, who has a program and he spends all his time on immigration. Uh huh. And he can't, he doesn't like immigration, but he never, never, never touches the subject of all these documented foreign nationals. Mm hmm. Who are driving without licenses and don't need one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: driving without insurance and they don't need one. They have jobs and they have take have welfare also and they don't file a tax return and they aren't required to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks on this network don't talk about it, but I see it's a growth trend that anybody who's not white has an opportunity now mm-hmm. to go to a consulate some nation that uh, where his great-grandfather may have originated and get documentation mm-hmm. as a citizen of that nation and yet stay here never never set foot on that nation except the consulate mm-hmm. and yeah. just live here and uh and uh be immune from all of our legal process
1: yeah in fact uh, I, I was reading the paper that uh, was a couple of years ago about this particular mandate. you you got to understand we're already global. You, you do know that, don't you?
0: No, only America is global. The rest of the world is,
1: is, is insular. Oh, no, I, I don't really understand that because, believe you me, um, you go to, to places like Britain, you'll find the whole cities almost speaking the languages of India. It's the same. You, you go to Germany, you got Turkish, you've got everything through there. America is the last country to become global, even though they pushed it and made a mandate after World War II uh, on the rest of the world on the the Lend-Lease Program. That was part of the Lend-Lease Program, that they start to become international and integrate into European society.
0: But China and India are not going
1: along, and none of the African countries are going along with globalization. Not yet. No, Africa... Uh, they've got a special plan for They've got to unify them into one big country. Uh, that's going on at the moment, one trading block. Then they'll be forced to go global. And China's the same. China, although technically they're still classed as third world, even though they're producing everything on the planet, uh, they'll have to go along with it at the end as well. So that's written into the mandates of integration. The third world countries don't have to adapt to these policies until uh, they're brought up to a higher level of living well,
0: well still it looks to me like that only the white nations are targeted for
1: this destructive immigration well they're targeted alright because they, they want the end of the old cultures you understand too, it's not a white r- racial thing either um, the elite characters at the top, it's a class thing if you understand that from a different uh, perspective The ones at the top of what you think are a white society, it's a class thing. Their class uh, incorporates the the high Brahmin class of India, the the high uh, classes of China, and so on. They are a particular class, and they see everyone else as inferior. Once you understand that aspect, you understand why this is being pushed from the top downwards. But still, can't you see Uh, But can't you see what I'm saying? So so of course of course, that they don't care. They want this big melting pot of new slaves, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because in 10, 15 years, you're going to see most people being cloned and and specially made for their jobs. That's definitely on the cards. And uh, look at the sperm count of of, of the Western males, down 75%, we're going sterile by purpose, by design, and because they want to bring in a new type of slave, and they don't care what kind of color it is. Well,
0: uh, apparently they don't want white slaves. They want uh, black slaves and Asian slaves, but they don't want any white slaves at all.
1: Well, they don't need us anymore. We're not needed anymore. We've done our job. We were the worker bees that forced this system on the entire planet.
0: So I'm right?
1: Yeah, 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 you're right. I'll be back with more after the following messages. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, back, standing in for John Stadmiller, who's down with the flu. should be back tomorrow, I hear. And for the listeners, if you want to hear more of my prattling on about this stuff... I'll be on an hour after this particular show ends. And I know it's confusing, this whole thing about immigration is confusing to people who see something from their perspective, from where they are and where, where their culture has led them. But it really wasn't their culture either. I mean, most Americans don't know their own histories, even recent histories. And what happened, Hollywood's uh, filled in a lot of blanks and gave you a fiction um, the white people were brought over initially to colonise the Americas through different means and methods. Uh, often they had to start revolutions back home, put down the revolution and then, and then export millions of people off their land like they did in Scotland, or get a, a famine going in Ireland to populate the colonies. And those colonies, as they called them then, were not really nice places because they were infested with mosquitoes, uh, they had swamps everywhere, Uh, They had no machinery to uproot trees and clear land. It was all done by hand, and they found that the white races were the most rugged. uh, People who would persevere and actually do it, our job's over. The elite of what we think are our races, the elite people, see themselves as a different race altogether. They have nothing in common with us. They never did. They are international. If you look at all the big boys in the States going back for the last hundred years or more, uh, they invested abroad all the time. Uh, They were always involved in foreign investments. And they lived apart from the ordinary people. They might move amongst you on rare occasions, but they live apart from you because they see themselves as being eugenically superior. And it has to do more with eugenics than race. That's really the point of this. Uh, The top economists that worked for the British East India Company, which was a British crown corporation, only members of royalty and elite uh, could have uh, shares in it, had international meetings in their own day about uh, controlling the populations, what kinds of plantation slaves to have, and eventually they changed the, the the term to workers, even though they didn't pay him enough to even save up to get out of the area and move on. You were still a slave technically, but they talked about this and they came to the conclusion that the white man did not make a good a good slave, but if you taught him he was free and was working for himself, he'd work like crazy and do amazing things. So that's the con that we had. We thought that we were free for a while, and they gave us a really from the 19. After World War II onwards, they gave us a, a, a happy little time, lots of entertainment, Leave it to Beaver, Little House on the Prairie, and all that kind of stuff. And everything that turned out from Hollywood was a Western, and everyone thought that's what the, the old America was about. It was nothing but cowboys for centuries, and it wasn't true. It wasn't true. And the time for the white man is over, because he also knew that the white man, if he ever did come to his senses, uh, would actually do something about what was going on Therefore, he became the number one enemy. That's why you'll find that fluoridization of the water was introduced in the white countries before anyone else. So the very worker bee that they'd used to bring forth this world agenda, uh, the, the source of their armies that they sent all over the world to conquer and force everyone under this monetary system and tax and World Bank, and all the rest of it, that same man, that white male, would be a problem down the road, and they'd have to dumb him down pretty quickly, which has been pretty successful, unfortunately. And they don't care anymore for the peasant of China, or Britain, the US, or anywhere else. Uh, they're all lumped in as peasantry by the guys at the top. we we'll have to get that through our heads. We're talking about people who are intergenerational, who go through Yale and Princeton and Oxford and Cambridge and a few other places, and they don't see themselves as even having anything in common with us at all. I'll be back with more after the following messages.